Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to All You Need to Know Radio. I wanted to make sure that you knew we have a very special show for us tonight. And um, we do, actually. And it's, um, it's it goes in a lot of different angles. But first of all, let's uh, welcome everybody uh, as we broadcast in America and around the world. All You Need to Know Radio is America's number one show in our time slot. And uh, tonight... The secret service for the Trump family that cost over $140,000 a month ended yesterday. We're going to tell you why. Also, um, Britney Spears is making a lot of headway with her um, conservatorship, and we are very proud of that. Her attorney, new, her new attorney, should we say, is going full force and does not seem to be slowing down. Also, another one of Donald Trump's really close friends is arrested and charged with multiple felonies. You have to understand, Donald Trump's friends are really, really old, so they have to decide whether they want to stay in jail or, you know, what it is exactly they want to do. Also, guess what? COVID-19 is out of control. We are very, very close to being shut down again, and I'll tell you about how that's going to happen. But also, we have a a gentleman by the name of Johnny that is deciding whether he is going to go back to school virtually or if he is going to go back to school regular. So that sounds like a lot, so let's not put anything else on you. Sit back and relax and grab your favorite cocktail and let us be the captain for the night. All you need to know radio starts right now. Everybody, welcome to All You Need to Know Radio. Once again, I am your host, John Hollywood. Almost Warwards with Warwards and Nunn will be joining us very soon. Uh, so uh, we'll just begin the show. So Donald Trump's family has, you know, done everything they can do about um, taking money from taxpayers and we really haven't done anything about it and it's because normally a president does not take advantage of all of that and um sadly they have and so 
Let's get this information in here real quick. You know what, guys? Real quick, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Gotta show up looking so good you to hurt me. Why you wanna stop this whole damn world from turning? Mercy. Why you hanging on so tight if this ain't working? Why you wanna stop this flame if it's still burning? It's still burning If you're gonna break my heart Just break it If you're gonna take your shot Then take it Take it If you made up your mind Then make it Make it fast If you ever All right, everybody. So, everybody back? Yeah, I hear everybody. So, uh, Copperhead, are you there? I'm here. All right. So, let's begin the show. Again. (laughs) What I wanted to do is I wanted to make sure I had this certain article in front of me because I got them. I want to. Why why you try to report the wrong news when you can have it right there in front of you? Well, my dear Copperhead, we do not report fake news. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, all right. So, The Guardian is reporting Secret Service. The, the Secret Service extension for Trump's adult children costs $140,000. Can you say it? $140,000 a month. And Trump extended it post-presidency protections by six months, Secret Service detailing four siblings and two of their spouses. So this article goes on to say, Donald Trump's adult children reports that reportedly cost taxpayers $140,000 damn dollars. I mean, that could have gone for COVID testing. That could have gone for the homeless. I, I mean, They could have anyway. gone for the infrastructure. That could go for tax breaks. They could go for small business loans. I mean, there's a million things that could have gone for. But if Trump's known for anything... It's being able to squeeze as much money out of it for him as possible. All of these uh, save the vote uh, charities that he's running and everything, those are just ways of him lining his pockets with more and more money. And we're finding out these the, a lot of his uh, trust funds and such are put up in such a fraudulent way that they're really just him paying him and his people money out of donations that people are thinking are going to help elections and are going to help other people, and they're not. They're just simply helping the Trump family. Right. So this is something I didn't know, and so this is why I wanted to make sure that we read it, 
and make sure it was accurate. Ordinarily, family members of a president lose their security detail when they leave office. I didn't know that. Because for me, I would think like Chelsea Clinton was beat up on all the time on social media when she went to school. But I guess she's tougher than the Trump family. Anyway. Now, the first but, now the first ladies have been able to get Secret Service detail for the rest of their lives, too, correct? Not just the ex-presidents, yes. but also the first ladies. Okay, so it's been oh. the spousal couple. Exactly. Yeah. So the cost obtained by the watchdog group Citizens of Ethics did not include security protections at the Trump's properties in New Jersey, Palm Beach, um, and Bear Cliff, New York, with their factored in, total would likely be far higher, according to the group. According be. to the watchdog, records reveal that the Trump children maintained a breakneck speed of travel and raked up a significant hotel, which actually was probably their hotel, if I had to guess, transportation bills for the Secret Service. Transport costs alone amounted to $52,296.75. The hotel costs cost at least $88,678.75. And 90 cents. Do you hear this, all you Trump fans? Not only did Donald Trump rape the American people, he raped us three and four times and didn't think well, and you have to anything think about, this, about too, it. The reason he's jet setting across America and having his kids jet set across America is to help propagand the the controversy is a scam that the the vote was illegal that you know the vote was taken from him. He's he's going across the America as, as fast as he can to help spread the lies that have been proven over and over and over again to be nothing but lies. And it's him and his family that are the spear point on this. So all of this money that we're now giving to him or that he's gotten from us is now turning around just to hurt us worse. Well, another thing, I'll thank you for joining us. $88,678.39 in hotel costs. I guarantee you those were his kids. Those were their own hotels. Transport cost alone amounted to $52,296.75, but it was 140000 plus. Was that a week? It was a week. A month to protect them. And I don't know if you heard much of this, but normally the Secret Service does not – and I didn't know this. I just learned this today. But normally the Secret Service stops protecting the the actual children when the president is no longer president. Did you know that? Yes, that's accurate. Um, And uh, Trump – requested and it was granted i mean his own department granted it um for his children to receive protection for i believe six months after his presidency i think it's running out or has already run out and i mean 
I don't recall the exact amount, but I remember in 2020, prior to the coronavirus, right around actually the same time as the coronavirus really began to become a major issue um, in like March or so, um, there was a very similar scandal with much higher numbers um, related to travel and um, uh, lodging and hotel costs for the Secret Service at uh, Donald Trump's resort in Scotland. He has a some sort of golf club, golf resort in Scotland that is apparently has been for several years losing tons of money and on its financial last legs until it magically got like a million dollars or something from the American taxpayer because Donald Trump decided he wanted to stay there instead of staying in a hotel in London, um, which is it's part of the reason why that emoluments lawsuit was was so important, right. and um, it's unfortunate why are that the we Justice not Department pursuing that? Is it be, is it, take a deep breath for a second. Is it because they mm-hmm. think it's a waste of time? Is it is that what it is? I think it's, yeah, it's part of that's part, part of John. It's politics. You have a you have a, a house and a senate that's been controlled by the same person who's breaking the rules. So when you have all that situated that way, it becomes a lot more complicated to um, get things to push through to hurt, you know, your own party. But but this this I think the question is why aren't we doing it now with the Garland Justice Department and Biden? And I, the the answer to that is we could. They're busy and doing a lot of other things, and I think that there has been a political calculation that I don't necessarily agree with, but I do understand that is, you know, we're going to really investigate the January 6th coup um, and certain – certain political, yeah, insurrection, whatever you want to call it, and certain political um, uh, activities, like, for example, the uh, indictment of Tom Barrack regarding the um, foreign We're going to talk about stuff. that next. My, my, we're going to talk about that next. Yeah. Let me ask you a question real quick. Right. Does it uh, matter no, if it's I called they made a it, John, John, I, I, I think they decided that they didn't want to investigate some of this kind of, I would call it mundane corruption. Not that it's not corruption. It is corruption, but it's a little bit different from like the – it's, it's a little bit different. You know, it's, he's basically making money from his hotel, but it's, it's a little bit different from uh, the corruption and the uh, ideological issue of um, the January 6th Harm insurrection people. or coup – that's what I was asking it, you. It's almost. just different. Is, yeah. Is coup better? I mean, is coup or insurrection one better than the other? I mean, is it more effective? <laughs> Honestly, in, in some ways, they're. And so I understand your question. In, in some ways, they're interchangeable. I think um, coup sometimes implies like a like a violent or a, a, a military coup coming from. A lot of times, from it's an implication rather than a strict definition. But I think most of the time, when I hear the word coup, I'm thinking the military overthrew the government. And when I hear the word insurrection, I'm thinking an angry mob overthrew the government. I don't yeah. think they're that different, like purely definitionally. But I do think that insurrection 
maybe from a connotation perspective, is the slightly better word, but I don't think it makes a huge difference. <laughs> okay. What do you think about the them losing their Secret Service detail? Do you think it matters? No, and I think that it's like, well, it matters because I'm glad the company, the, the, the company, I'm glad the country is not going to pay for that anymore. Um, but I don't think it matters a lot, to be honest. Okay. Do you think it puts his, it puts the children or anybody else at risk, like as far as threats or? Um, I mean, you, you know, it's interesting. There's, there have been all these, you know, there was a a a, a threat. Um, in California that was spoiled this week to um, blow up the Democratic uh, headquarters in San Francisco. And there have been, wow. you know, the, you remember Cesar Sayoc, where he sent all those pipe bombs, the Trump supporter who sent all those pipe bombs to um, right. a variety of Democratic lawmakers. I mean, the, right. the threat comes from the right, not the left. I don't, I mean, I don't like Ivanka Trump, I, but I don't think anybody on the left is really thinking about killing her. We're not even okay. thinking of her most of the time. Okay, right. so basically it doesn't really matter and we don't really care. It just was very um Well it's a big waste of corruption. Yeah, I yeah, mean yeah, absolutely. because the Trump family, let's face it, they are in the public eye all the time and I know they get death threats. So they have to that's why I was yeah, kind I mean, of they're surprised. Just on that level. Well, but they, <laughs> as I, I presumably wealthy people, and I mean, one never knows precisely how much money they have, but as presumably wealthy people, they can afford a security detail. Security. Um, yeah. Okay, let's move on to the indictments that we were talking about earlier. Sure. And um, how is my mic sounding, guys? Is it okay? It was popping up first, yeah. but now it's sounding a lot better. It's sounding a lot better. Sounds fine. Administration and tonight yet another member of the twice impeached former president's inner circle is in very deep trouble with the feds and behind bars. In fact, Tom Barrack, the billionaire who chaired the Trump 2017 inaugural committee, was arrested today on charges of illegally lobbying the Trump administration on behalf of the United Arab Emirates. Barrack's also accused of failing to register with the Justice Department as a foreign agent, as well as obstruction, and of lying to the FBI about his dealings with the UAE. He's been friends with Donald Trump since the 80s. Barrack helped rescue his business and later became a top fundraiser for his presidential campaign and the inauguration. The indictment notes several instances where he used that relationship with Trump to advocate for the UAE without disclosing it, apparently. During the 2016 campaign, Barrack allegedly had language inserted into one of Trump's speeches at the request of a UAE official. We'll work with our Gulf allies to develop a positive energy relationship as part of our anti-terrorism strategy. We'll work with them because we have to knock out terrorism. The indictment notes that after the speech, an Emirati official emailed Tom Barrack saying Trump, quote, mentioned the Gulf allies, which is great, adding congrats on the great job today. Everybody here are happy with the results. 
Federal prosecutors say Barrack's efforts continued after the inauguration as he pushed UAE interests to the Trump White House. He's also accused of giving the UAE sensitive non-public information and accused of meeting and assisting senior leaders from Saudi Arabia. And because he has the means and the potential motive, the U.S. government says Tom Barrack is now a flight risk. They want him to remain in custody. He's being detained at least until a hearing next Monday. In a statement, a spokesperson says, quote, Mr. Barrack has made himself voluntarily available to investigators from the outset. He is not guilty and will be pleading not guilty. Tonight's other big story continues to be this Delta variant, a top concern of the... Mm -hmm. Mike, check. Oh, hello? Yeah, we're waiting on John to get back on. Well, let me Mr. talk Hollywood briefly about um, let me talk briefly about that indictment because that's the topic. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So, um, Mr. Barak and I, that, that was a well done report because it identified some of the major issues. But something that it left out, which I think is important context for your listeners, is that the United Arab Emirates, the UAE, is a puppet state of Saudi Arabia. Uh, Mohammed bin Salman, the crowd prince of Saudi Arabia, is essentially controlling the, and the House of Saud in general, essentially controls all policy for the United Arab Emirates. So um, while yes, Mr. Barak technically was working on the behest of the United Arab Emirates and its unique interests. Really, he was working on behalf of Saudi Arabia and right. also the Emirates. Means, they're, 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 but they're basically one and the same. And which the, we the, have a lovely the other thing, with both of them. I'm sorry. We use, I said the United States has like a love-hate relationship with both of them, right? We have a lot of oil. Yeah, that's accurate. Of, we've had a lot of journalism problems and a lot of. Um, transparency issues with what they're doing over there and how covert and Russian related stuff they're doing, correct? Yeah, so they're a um, they're not the Emiratis are not but the Saudis sort of are state sponsors of the Wahhabist sect of Islam which has been responsible for the radicalization of young Muslims into terrorists all across the Middle East and North Africa. And that's part of what Barack Obama was trying to do prior to the Trump administration in reining in and modernizing some of Saudi's views on terror and religion. And so, you know, this is not even to mention, for example, the state the state sanctioned killing of the American journalist Jamal Khashoggi, right. um, or you know, for example, 9/11, which most of the people who who actually did it were from Saudi Arabia. Um, so, you know, this is these people are not the friends of the they don't have the interests of the United States of America at heart, and it's. Not this actually goes either. back to the corruption issue that John was talking about a little bit earlier, because, you know, we, we talk about the mundane corruption of Donald Trump and his family making money from the, from the Secret Service staying at his hotel. And that's bad, but it's not nearly as bad as having multiple advisors who are being paid by foreign hostile governments to 
lobby and change American policy without disclosing it. it it's appropriate right. to say, you know, I represent the interests of Saudi Arabia, and, and, and to do it in a very open and forthright manner, but to do it secretly and to use your access to the president of the White House to secretly change American government policy um, in favor of hostile foreign powers, that's traitorous. I mean, it's not literal treason because we're not at war with them, but they're basically traitors. And so, you know, when we have multiple individuals, it's not just Mr. Barack, Mr. Barak, it's also um, George Stephanopoulos and Paul Manafort and Rick Gates and um, Alexander Sweek and these other indicted or guilty – Exactly. It's a pattern within the Trump administration and it's it, multiple, not, and it's not just one country either. Ukraine, Turkey, China. Iran, Saudi Arabia, Emirates, Israel, a lot of foreign nations were using their contacts with the Trump administration. These foreign nations are using their contacts with the Trump administration to attempt to effectuate changes in American policy. These people are traitors. There's no right. way Donald Trump didn't know about some of it. Arguably, he's also a traitor, and I think he's a traitor for several different reasons, but you know, taking money, gifts... Um, well, uh, clearly, clearly uh, with that many contacts... Uh-huh. With that many contacts, tapping him on the shoulder and getting inner circles information and him providing that much change for those people, he's clearly created a pattern of treacherous activities, if not downright treating. So he's he's definitely created that pattern with that many people. There's no way that that we can't prove a a sort of link to that sort of stuff. And with that many of his associates already in jail or facing indictment, there's once again, you have a huge pattern of lifestyle i mean if nothing else so right. you, you can kind of start piecing the pieces together quickly and say if this is these are the, the people whatever the results of this and where does this where's the line where's where has it been crossed so so if if why isn't the fbi and the doj going after the you know the the, the misspending by the secret service it's <laughs> i'd much it's rather than going after this well, and it becomes like the whole white collar crime versus blue or blue collar crime, where it's is murder more important than yeah. embezzling money? You know, like, and it's kind of what these two factions are: is you're dealing with Trump misusing, if you will, uh, funds from the Secret Service, or we're changing the American policy and endangering American lives. You know, like, like which right. one's more I mean, important? Good point. <laughs> good, good, good point. <laughs> Did I hear John Hollywood back, or should I keep talking about this indictment? Go ahead and try on that. I'm going right. to go to the control booth. Thank you. So I, I, I do think that it's interesting to see that the DOJ does appear to be – my understanding is that this investigation into Mr. Barack was outside of the scope of Robert Mueller's mandate – but Robert Mueller is the one who actually uncovered the initial evidence sufficient to make a referral to the Southern District of New York so that basically the Manhattan DA could do the, could do the remainder of the investigation because it was – Mr. Mueller was not tasked with investigating that. He was tasked with investigating Russia. This is the Emiratis. So, um, you know – I, I wonder what else is going to 
come out of that investigation that hasn't already been made public because, you know, I, I have a pretty close political watcher, and I was not expecting that indictment. It, I mean, a lot of times that's what right. happens you know, for high-profile indictments. They come out of nowhere. Um, and a lot so of I'm wondering – go ahead. And a lot of these indictments are colored by the spectators who are watching it, and if you have a lot of people who are in favor of keeping these people out of jail – They'll whitewash the whole mm-hmm. thing and be like, that's ah, no big deal that, you know, he's not paying taxes on student loans and he's not paying taxes on the car note that we gave him. And we're not, you know, nobody pays taxes on these things. Taxes, who, pay, who pays taxes? We all have tax loans. And you hear it enough and you start thinking that that's normal for big businesses to do that. I mean, I don't do it personally, but I mean, big businesses get away with that, right? So that must be normal. No, it's still illegal. It's still breaking the law. <laughs> Very true. And because they're they're saying that you know everybody does it doesn't mean that it's legal doesn't make it right and so when you have commenters who are trying to whitewash these indictments and these accusations it becomes very easy to overlook them and to let them slide you know and if you have somebody in there mm-hmm. like Mueller when he was doing his report and gave a clear concise process of what was going on and the things he could prove and it led all the way up to the people who are you have people who are then commenting on it and saying that no 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 he didn't he didn't cross the line he you know Mueller didn't Mueller gave him free and clear he didn't cross the line and that becomes the rally call for his supporters and suddenly we're overlooking it right and i i have i have a a related point that i think important for us to talk about and that's what's happening with the January 6th commission and specifically the seditious conspiracies – excuse me, the, the individuals who are part of the seditious conspiracy who are actually in the House of Representatives. Um, right. So, so, you know, a big story everybody who follows the news has probably heard about it this week is that um, Pelosi appointed uh, six folks to the January 6th investigatory commission, and then the McCartney, she asked McCartney, the uh, Republican minority leader in the House, to appoint six members, and he put up his list of six, and two of those six were likely at least somewhat involved in the conspiracy itself, and if not personally involved, were deeply involved in the uh, rhetoric surrounding the conspiracy. Um, So Jim Jordan and Mr. – and I think he's also Jim. I think Jim Banks. um, Pelosi rejected them rightfully, and then McCarthy (laughs) pulled his other uh, four picks. So it it appears that these hearings, unless something changes, and it is a fast-developing story, but it appears that these hearings will be Democrats alone. Um, and oh, like you have awesome. What do you think about that, almost? What do you think there about the fact that, like Jim Jordan, you know, I was thinking about this and I was looking at it and researching it and stuff, and everybody's mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is just going to be propaganda. This is going to be, you know, BS. But how in the world, it's like, how in the world would you want someone that was part of the insurrection on the board? Because that person, it's like asking a, uh, somebody involved in a murder to be on the jury. I don't get that. Do you? Well, I, I think that that's a, I, I, I don't and I do. I mean, if you were the defense lawyer for the murderer, wouldn't you want him to be on the jury? Um, so 
you know, it's, it's all about the motivation of the person picking the panel. You know, and to the especially extent after that they were the, they were completely bogged down by ha- having a dual partnership on this anyhow. The Democrats were before it, and the Republicans have been staunchly against any sort of discovery. They voted against having any sort of – so now Pelosi is pushing it through. Suddenly they're like, oh, we're going to put all these people up here who have, uh, you know, very inflicted causes for this. I mean they're, they're, putting, they're stacking the deck against having a true transparent uh, accuracy to this report. I agree, and I think that I, I, I think that one of the reasons why, and and this is, I'm hopeful. You know, I, I'm often very critical of of Democrats who for not being a forceful advocate enough. I am hopeful right. that on this issue, which is a major winning issue for them, they are very forceful or more forceful than they have been in the past, and that very we have. Clear. You know, just like we've had, we 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 often go back to the Benghazi hearings when talking about a ridiculous show of a hearing. We, um, there, I believe there were eleven full days of testimony in Benghazi, uh, where Clinton was um, questioned right. multiple times, and there were multiple different hearings and investigations. And you know, the, the actual truth of what happened in that sad day in Algeria is obscured by the media uh, and kind of the general zeitgeist of, oh, Clinton did something wrong. That's why they investigated the crap out of, out of Benghazi. And, and I'm hopeful that the Democrats can kind of do something similar to their advantage regarding January 6th, except unlike the Benghazi hearings, there's actually something there <laughs> um, at the well, end of I'm the day. I'm hoping that we can do, do it. You know, there's, think, there's hey, do you think they will uh-huh. actually find anything? Do you think they're really I, taking I, I this do. I, I mean, I, I, I no do, actually. You know, they, they have to, if they have subpoena power with the, you know, the force of contempt of Congress behind them, you know, when they subpoena all of the cell phone records and um, uh, GPS location data for the organizers of the insurrection. And I'm talking about, you know, the oath keepers and three percenters and the ones who had quote unquote war powers and the ones who, you know, had, there was, there's been several army rangers who are elite military infantry who, um, I, I'm sorry, excuse me, former army rangers i believe there were two of them right. and they're some of the highest trained infantry who were in our military were part- participants and active planners in the attack and have been indicted and i believe one of them has pled guilty so you know and not to mention our lovely youtube bloggers and people who assign their work at the uh insurrection right. and are photographed and youtubed and videotaped and then and, and so flashed all over the news so and so what I want to do is I, I, I want the Democrats to splash this all over the news for months. I want it to be a thing where it's like, oh, and, and on today's January 6th hearing, we heard from the Capitol riot police. We heard from this rioter. We heard from this uh, planner. We heard from this millionaire donor who bust people in, yeah, you know, for, from – Right, and and if if they do it well, if they're if they're aggressive in their investigation, and it becomes a big showpiece where it's on CNN every day or you know MSNBC or whatever, and enough people in the country will 
hear and understand exactly, precisely see the truth, because the truth is this really was a well-planned insurrection. It was not a random riot. It was a well-planned insurrection, and I'm just glad it failed. And um, Hey, guys, y'all have done, done a great job on hitting on this, and almost I really would like you to be a part of this. We, uh, you know, we are about to be sending our kids back to school, and it's going to mm-hmm. be whether they go virtually or whether they go regular. So we have a student on the phone with us that is going to talk to us about exactly what's going on, and I want to get your input, yours and Copperhead. Hey, Johnny, no you're problem, live on all you, Hey, Johnny, you're live on All You Need to Know Radio. We broadcast around America and around the world. How are you doing this evening? Johnny, do we if have you? satisfied with your message, I guess press we don't 1 have to you. listen to your message. <laughs> okay. Well, sometimes people just don't. Y'all, go, y'all, y'all talk a little bit about it. Let me see if I can uh, get it. About going here. to public school? Sure. Yeah, because yeah, I really so, think you know, that it's a serious thing because they're saying things like, it's it's affecting a child's growth. It's a ch- it's mm-hmm. affecting how they Absolutely. interact with people. Well, let's um, go let's go one step or let's go one go step ahead. higher because I don't I don't know if you guys are in the same boat with me, but I'm going to step out on a limb here. I have noticed a huge um, chunk of American society that is now rude and abrasive and cross and end up being a lot more. Um, Hurt to each other. There's no longer that Hollywood. I think you There's have the phone ringing. Yeah, I think you're dialing us out. <laughs> but I think that that America has become a lot, a lot, lot, a, lost a lot of our mannerisms as far as kindness and gentleness and uh, courtesies towards each other, even especially on the road and driving, holding doors open for each other, just saying please and thank you. Those even those common common courtesies kind of thing. And I think that if the adults are showing that kind of signs coming back and meeting each other again, that the kids will just be an amplification of that, especially if they're not uh, given that training back when they're younger. What is your thoughts on that? Can I respond to that? Because I have a couple of things to say about that. Absolutely. Um, first First, I think that you're generally correct. Big picture, I think you're generally correct that post-pandemic, or at least in in our part of North Texas, it seems like there's been a bit of a fraying of some of the societal norms that allowed people to get along in general life. Yeah, Yeah, courtesies, exactly. That's kind of what I mean. Um, I I will say that, and and this is kind of a counterpoint while understanding that I generally agree, I have found most young people who I've dealt with, most, not all, but most, you know, people aged, let's say, 18 to 29, um, to, to be far more courteous and um, helpful and uh, understanding, empathetic and understanding of other people's perspective um, than, uh, for example, the... Uh, 55 to 80 demographic. Um, and, and I don't want to, this isn't a hey boomer, like this isn't an ageist um, right. This is just a, a general observation. Right, exactly. It's, it's, a, it's a general observation that I, I, I do feel like 
in general, the Internet and the rise of uh, digital culture has made young people who grew up with it more empathetic and able to see the perspective of others than older generations in general. I don't know I don't know if that's related, but I, I do think that it is I I, I do think I that it has that something totally to, to do with your point. I think that the Skyping and the the mobile offices and those electronics uh those electronic meet rooms that we've kind of Blown up, blown up all over recently have definitely been something that the younger generation has been able to adapt to quicker and to utilize mm-hmm. more cohesively than the older generations who are having to learn the technology and they're frustrated with that or they don't even have access to that because their job doesn't require that and it becomes a detachment that they kind of develop. I could see where that would definitely be not an ageist thing but but maybe a um, electronic kind of observation. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm right. saying it's, it's not necessarily dictated by age, but dictated by how how fluent they are in electronics, which tends to be a younger demographic. I agree with that wholeheartedly, and I, and I want to actually take it even one step further. If we're going to do some kind of philosophizing and dancing on the head of a pin, <laughs> I, I, I've noticed. <laughs> that, um, I like that. I like that terminology. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, bro. So, um, you know, I I think that. <laughs> Some older people, and this is this is this is like a personal theory, something that I've been thinking about for a while. Um, some older people, the world is so complex, and it's getting more and more complex every day. Every or maybe yeah. we're discovering how complex it is better every day through the magic of the internet and the incredible tool that is. Wikipedia and Google and our ability to really understand things in both great breadth and in incredible depth in a way that um, it was just very, very challenging to do, even as recently as, you know, 1985, it's basically impossible to have the same kind of depth of knowledge and understanding of the world. And, and I For see, example, and I think I that this is... I distinctly remember mm-hmm. when I was a young kid, this is only like 20, 25 years ago, somebody coming to our mm-hmm. door and trying to sell us encyclopedias. Liar. And like that, having that big shelf of encyclopedias was kind of a big thing in our neighborhood because you could find a little right. bit about everything in there. And that was only 25 years ago. And that was such a rare thing to have that much knowledge in one place other than the public library that now going on the Internet and having a bajillion times more information available to you as a stroke of a finger is mind-boggling if you stop and think about it. And so I think that what that's done for some generations, some, and I think it, it actually relates to some of the political things we've been talking about. For example, last week we, we talked about disinformation and misinformation quite a lot. I, I think right. part of the reason why people are attracted to misinformation and disinformation is because it's often simple. There's often like a simple answer, you know, Right. Don't get the COVID vaccine; it'll kill you. Well, you know? can I try that the, the, the out? real answer. Can I try that out with you? Okay, sure. So, the White House is actively saying Facebook should remove misinformation. Do you agree with yeah. that? I the see. answer to that question is complicated, and I, I think the answer is yes, but you have to be careful because the First Amendment exists. Yeah, but I think that you're right to say whatever it is that you want to say, but they're having 
Facebook being able to do what they've done and put the markers on the bottom that says this information has been proven right or wrong according to these public publications is definitely something mm-hmm. worthwhile. I think that being able to uh, put people in Facebook jail just like they do if they're doing hate speech or doing some sort of hostile activity, if somebody is perpetually repeating the same lies over and over and over again after being shown factual evidence of the contrary, that that's just as bad as hate speech. Right, but the question, David, by professing lies. Well, I agree with that. That's appropriate, um, Copperhead. But the question is, when should the government get involved? And should the government ever fine or? Well, see, but I'm not certain that's accurate. I I think that, you know, so you know, we talk a lot about Russian propaganda and fake news. You know, there is pretty clear evidence that there's a current active misinformation campaign being, you know, targeting old white people and poor blacks and Latinos with vaccine misinformation in America. And, right. you know, the Russian troll, the Russian troll farm that's, po- that's originating some of these stories then has non-Russian real ass Americans, um, forward them and, you know, spread them and make them viral or part of the conservative zeitgeist. And I think the question is when should the government step in and say, Facebook, you need to just take this down. And well, yeah, and that's why I'm I, saying you put the markers I, on the bottom of it for sure. But I think Facebook should hopefully yeah. be big enough and rich enough and strong enough to police themselves and we won't have to have the government finger in that but, pie, you know what I'm saying? They're, I know they're but not. what if they're in on it? They're not. That, but David, what if they're, they're what if they're in on it because That's they what make I'm more of. money when they get the clicks? So so they the government get more uh, money when the dissension and the arguments than they do with people just seeing puppies and kittens all day. And you know, isn't it amazing? Mm-hmm. Facebook started out by two different girls side by side, and you said, "Are they hot? Or are they not?" And now they're one of the biggest corporations that literally controls mm-hmm. the planet. And mm-hmm. I think there was a responsibility that comes with that. And Mark Zuckerberg doesn't seem to be up to the task. And I think he should be removed from the board of directors. Well, maybe, but that's, that's a private corporation. The, the, the question, the real interesting question is is not who should the leader of Facebook be or what should Facebook do, but it's what should the government do to Facebook or Twitter or yeah. TikTok or Snapchat or something like that to blatant misinformation. Yeah, in, in, Instagram, whatever. Um, to blatant misinformation that the company is choosing not to not to take down. They might mark it or something, but they're choosing not to take it down. And I'm not sure what the, the answer is. It's a complex question. But I do think that there should be a time when they can regulation. intervene in some way. You think they should be regulated? Yes. I mean, they already I think are. they should That's be responsible for sure. Is. That's what Section 230 is. They they already are regulated, and the regulation basically says they they can't get they can't be liable for someone else's post, um, whether it's misinformation or disinformation. They're not publishing anything. It's not you know defamation. It's they're just kind of hosting it. That's what Section 230 is. And so I think that there should be some sort of reform to Section 230 for the government to have the capability intervene if they need to. Now, I, I do think the exact way you craft that is 
complex, and frankly, it's over my head. I'm not, I'm not a computer scientist. I'm not the right guy to ask that question. But um, it's, it, it is a very that, interesting question, and yeah. Do you all think right, that could so be almost, something that would be like – sorry. Almost, let's let's uh, go ahead. And you, we've taken a lot longer of his time than we yeah. should have tonight. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you. Here's your two-minute warning. You're welcome, sir. Here you go. Thank uh-huh. you so much, sir. Really appreciate you. And so something that we haven't talked about much today but I do think is incredibly important is the voting rights issue that continues to persist all over this country. Um, there is a back and forth between certain Democrats and mainstream Democrats and progressive Democrats about um, exactly whether or how we should reform the filibuster in the Senate such that we could pass a federal voting rights legislation to prevent these 17 states or 17 Republican-led states who have passed restrictive voter laws in the year of 2021 alone. If you care about good governments and democracy, call your senators and your congressmen, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, and tell them you support a reform of the filibuster so that you can get the voting rights bill through. It's incredibly important. We may not have a free and fair election ever again if this doesn't happen. Um, I love everybody. Thank you so much for your time and the platform, and let's talk again next week. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. That's almost wars with wars and none. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. the mint has cared for our stories our freedom and our liberty carefully rendering them into coins to remind this country of who we are e pluribus unum out of many one explore the collection at catalog.usmint.gov be proud of home safe comfort worthy of protection family home I was deployed to Afghanistan. I was on patrol March 26, 2010. During a dismounted patrol, I happened to step in the wrong spot and took a sniper round into the chest. This is the date I was hit. I lost my leg almost immediately. I lost my left hand and both my legs above the knee. My arm was gone, so I closed my eyes, thinking to myself, if I just keep breathing, I will make it home to my wife. I just wanted to serve my country. Every day I'm still adapting to this new life. It was hard having everybody change their lifestyle to take care of me. A typical home doesn't feel like home to me. They have to carry my chair up the stairs. The hardest thing in my life is to have to call and yell for my children to help pick me off the bathroom floor. Where do you go when home isn't home anymore? This is Mark Wahlberg. There are over 1,000 families that need our help. Talented Towers is honoring those heroes that risk their lives by providing them with mortgage-free homes. Yes, I'm on the waiting list to have a home built. It's going to be amazing. This small home technology. It makes my life a whole lot easier and is 100% accessible. It's built to fit my needs. For me to gain independence again would be just amazing. Be able to just take care of myself as an individual. This home will allow me to be self-sufficient, 
It'll help me live my life. It gives me back some of my dignity of who I used to be. There is a waiting list for houses. This is the waiting list. There are a lot of people on that list, yeah. There are a lot of guys like me out there. Maybe too many. Gives you back your dignity, your pride, your self-perseverance. Thanks to Talented Hours, I'm going to have all these freedoms given back to me. Home. Personal. Safety. Dignity. Family. Independence. Confidence. The American dream, isn't it? Home. I'd like to ask you to contribute $11 a month to support their efforts. Please visit TomasTheTowers.org. My life is free, Brittany, and it just changed. Britney Spears is finally ready to speak out about her legal drama. The pop princess will personally address an L.A. courtroom in June as her legal battle over her long-standing conservatorship continues. Britney's attorney told the court that the Piece of Me singer requested the hearing so she could speak to the court directly and asked for an expedited date. The judge agreed to set the appearance for June 23rd. It is not known exactly what Britney plans to address, but the toxic singer has been in an adverse fight over her conservatorship. Access spoke to legal expert James Sexton, who said it's not uncommon for a person in Britney's situation to want to have their voice heard. Britney Spears has had a lot of people doing a lot of talking on her behalf for a long time. But her voice has been silent throughout a lot of this, except for occasionally checking in on her social media and telling people that she's doing just fine. The world wants to hear from Britney and hear Britney say, you know, those magic words that she's going to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Her father, Jamie Spears, has been the appointed conservator since 2008 and has court-approved control over all of his daughter's personal and financial decisions. A bid to have him removed from the role in 2020 was denied, but the heated battle continues on. Brittany, who has previously stayed out of the conversation surrounding her legal arrangements, has reassured fans she is doing well on social media despite the controversy. everybody welcome back to all you need to know radio that is the amazing group Florence in the machine shake it out it's one of my favorite artists do you know who they are Copperhead I know you do yes I do I do and you like that song too right I was I was about to sing along with it too <laughs> when you got me I was like oh yeah, that's not- no problem all right so let's move on to the Britney Spears case so, what do you know about what's going on? I'm here every week. I know what's going on for sure. Uh, she's been she that story is actually a little bit old because we've actually heard her in court and talking to the judge, and we've actually relayed on our show here what was actually said in her testimonies, and we played that testimony for what well, last week or the week before, and she is definitely saying that her conservative is unnecessary that her father has been milking her for way too long and has persecuted her both physically, emotionally, and socially to the point where she just hates him. And she knows that he's exploiting her as much as he possibly can to line his own pockets and he doesn't care about his daughter. So that's her, her alleged, alleging to her, the judge that he's a bad, uh, a bad person to take care of her conservatorship and he wants to him out. I agree with that. 
So let me read exactly what is going on. Promptly by Britney Spears' conservatorship fight is a bar is a bar bipartisan legislative effort has emerged to reform the entire process of over 1 million people across the United States under the protective arrangements. Who would have thought this little pop star would create such incredible change in our court systems? Hats off to that. I mean, I'm very happy with that. Yeah, I mean, you know, she is very powerful. Uh, If she gets a lot of money back, I used to think Kevin, her ex-boyfriend, ex-husband, I guess, is the one who stole all her money. And now I'm seeing it's all these people that have all their hands out. I mean, everybody out there in America and around the world needs to understand, in this conservatorship currently – Brittany pays an allowance. Everybody's manager, everybody's attorney, all court costs for all participants involved. It's rang up to about forty-five million dollars in thirteen years. So if they take that forty-five million and add it to the sixty, you do the figures. You know she is sold. Yeah, she's sold. 137 million albums worldwide and she's got a voice um she did quit music a couple of days ago i'm very happy to say that she did go back on social media and she wanted to clarify that was just for her dad so right now britney spears has been appointed an attorney of her choice and he is a pit bull. And not only is she asking the judge for the money back from her lawyer, it says Marcy and Christie said that they expected more partisan support for the same measure, which would also provide at least $260 million in grant funds to go to the people in the caseworkers in the conservatorships. That's just incredibly, that's highway robbery. But these people were profiting off of keeping her enslaved. So they definitely had a reason to keep her there and to keep her subjected to the torture that they were getting because they were getting everything paid for for doing nothing. Absolutely nothing. I mean, it's just been crazy. So we have a song pick of the week. Go ahead. I was going to say, don't be wrong. She kind of went through for a minute. You can, you can read it on our website, especially right. Instagram, because we are in Facebook bill until August the 8th, because I called the former, I called the former first lady a well-dressed whore. So, <laughs> you shouldn't do that. No, I shouldn't have. I should have held back. But uh, this is going to be our song pick. It's called Driver's License. Do you want to introduce it? Uh, go ahead. Okay, so this song is by Olivia Rodrigo, and it's called Driver's License. And I want to make sure that everybody listens because this girl is 18 years old. She's broke records from Prince. 
Mariah Carey, we Janet Jackson, play- Madonna. So get ready. What was her other song that we played this week for her? We played one other song for her. Traitor. Okay, so mute your mute your microphone Sorry. so we can hear this good, okay? Here we go. Sorry, go ahead. No, that wasn't driver's license. John, you there? Mr. Hollywood. Mr. Hollywood? Let's see if we can't pull him back up on here. No, I can't. Not at all. Not on the radio. Uh, halfway through the song, you cut out. We're going to bring him back up on. No. All right, everybody. So we're going to let Copperhead uh, close the show out, and I'll be right back. Definitely. We were talking earlier today. The tools are going out. Support each other to take care of each other. Look out for those who are less fortunate and provide help where you can. Be kind to one another because that's a thing for anybody. That we want to give you back over to John Hollywood and hope to see you next week. All right, guys, my microphone came unclosed, uh, unplugged, so I apologize, but we're going to make sure that this show closed with a bang. All right. So, just like Copperhead said, I'm going to make it simple. You need to be vaccinated. You need to be vaccinated. Please. Please. It is so important that you're vaccinated because if you're not, people are going to be dying. They really are. I'm not lying to you about that at all. 